Thank you, Pastor Mark. I am blessed to be here. I got to tell you something. I think God has a message for your church this morning because um, I, uh, I, I know it may not look like it, but I sleep with the CPAP machine, right? If you, if you aren't familiar with that, um, I was told all my life that I have a big mouth. My doctor told me that's not true. I have a small mouth. I just use it better than the rest of everyone else. Um, my small mouth means that uh, when I fall asleep at night, my brain just stops working and I can't breathe. So I, I sleep with a mask that makes it so that, you know, it pumps air in so I can, I can breathe at night. And last night, the, hosp- the hospital, the hotel we were at, lost power at 2 a.m. So I wake up to this thing around my face that isn't working and that I, I have slept with this for 10 years, right? It's now, like, I can't lay down in bed without this thing on because it just feels weird. For two hours, it didn't work. I just kind of tossed and turned. And during that time, I said, God, I really think something is important for this church because, you know, that doesn't usually happen. And I think Satan is, is in force. And so I'm blessed to be here today and so thankful that we get to share with you. Because, again, I think God has a message for you. I want to talk to you today not just about Burundi and about our calling and what God is doing, but about your calling. How God is calling you into a life of missions. How God has called all of us into a life of missions. And uh, I, we had one person who kind of said, hey, I know where Burundi is. That's the first question we always get asked is, where is Burundi? It's not in Australia, but it is somewhere that starts with an A. It is, uh, I think we have it up here. Um, Burundi is a small landlocked country in Africa located next to Tanzania and Rwanda. It is about the size of Maryland, or if you're like me, you're like, great, I don't know how big Maryland is. I don't, I don't know what you're hoping to accomplish with that. It is Wisconsin Dells to Kenosha. Okay? That's, that's Wisconsin. But it has twice as many people in Burundi as there are in Wisconsin. 11.5 million people are in Burundi. So it's almost twice the population. And of that population, it is the third youngest nation in the world. 45% are under the age of 14. That is 5.5 million kids in, a, in this country. And so we are blessed that God has called us. Uh, my family and I, if you want to put a picture, my lovely wife Marissa is right over here if she wants to stand up. Baby, I'm sorry you're not tall enough to just wave from the... There we go. That's my wife Marissa. We have two boys, Owen and Parker. And Marissa and I met at North Central University up in Minneapolis. Ooh, I, there we go. Yeah, a little woohoo. And before... It's It's okay. It's okay, we're, we're still grieving for CBC. Um, and before Marissa and I ever started dating, I talked to her and I said, hey, I've been called to go to Africa. This won't work if you aren't willing to go. You see, I didn't want to fall in love with someone who then turns around and said, I can't go overseas. I was so sure and so confident of my calling that I, I was desperate. I said, I, I just, I wanted to get it out of the way first, right? I didn't want to have to come to that crossroads. And then we have our son, Owen, and uh, he gets the red hair both from grandpa and grandma on both on uh, her side and my side. And uh, he is 10 years old. He is a passionate, loving kid. I'll tell you, we sold a bunch of toys and things um, at a rummage sale because we were moving out of the church parsonage into um, an apartment. And so we had them sell a bunch of their toys. And we said, here's the deal. We're going to take the money from those toys. We'll hold on to it. And then when you get to Africa, we'll give it to you so you can buy new toys. And Owen told us, he said, hey, he goes, mom and dad, um, I want to take my money and I want to use it to buy Bibles for kids in Africa. And I was like, man, we're doing something right with one of them. Um, 
Parker is the blondie. He is eight years old. He's energetic and um, has never met a church that he wasn't like I own the joint. So um, he, uh, you will see him, I'm sure. You will likely hear him. Um, I've been a kids pastor in the district for 12 years, so I am naturally very loud, and he takes after me a lot. Um, so why children's missionaries and why Burundi? Well, I said that Burundi is the third youngest nation in the world. 45% of its population is under the age of 14. And it is a nation that is ready for the move of God. And it is a nation that is desperate for something more. You see, I wanna, I'm, I'm hoping today that you guys will understand that we have been called to Burundi not through happenstance, but through purpose, that God is calling us and our team here for this moment, and that hopefully you will understand that God is calling you for a moment as well. If you would open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're not reinventing the wheel today. We're going to a very famous, a very common uh, mission scripture. We have here Jesus talking to the disciples Before he ascends into heaven, the last words that he shares with them, and he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I want us to understand and to look at the wording of this passage and start off by looking at what I call, you know, if if any of you do programming, you know what an if-then statement is, right? An if-then is when one thing happens, another happens, right? If someone presses this button, this comes out. Jesus is telling his disciples an if-then statement. He is saying, but you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. In other words, Jesus is not telling his disciples something that he would like them to do. He's not giving them a command, here's what I want you to do. Jesus is telling his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be witnesses. You don't have a choice. Witnessing is the result of the Holy Spirit imbuing himself in our lives. And he's telling this to the disciples. In other words, Jesus is in his own way prophesying over the disciples. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what you will do when it happens. And I want us to just for a moment rethink this idea of a calling into ministry. This Pastor Mark, I know you were called to this church. You want a pastor who feels called to a church because I'm going to tell you, pastoring a church is not easy. Pastoring a church during a pandemic is not easy. I don't remember that class. At North, did they have it at CBC? Right? I mean, maybe if they did. Anyways. Um, but it, it's, it's hard. You want a pastor who's called, but I think sometimes we put so much weight on this idea of a calling that we miss out on what God has for us. Later on in Acts chapter 13, we see that Paul and Barnabas get called into missions. And they get called to go somewhere. And this is the perspective of calling that we think of. Is this idea that the Holy Spirit comes down or God through prayer tells us that we need to go somewhere. But that is not the only time that a calling can happen. In fact, all of us are called. Right, imagine if you will that I am walking by your house with a fire extinguisher and I'm, you know, and you come running out and you're like, John, John, my living room's on fire. Can you come help me? And I go, oh, 
thoughts and prayers, I'll call the fire department for you. And you're like, but no, but you have a fire extinguisher. Come on in, you can do And I go, oh, oh, I'm sorry, that's not my calling. But you see, far too often as Christians, that's what we say. We see people in our lives who are desperate, who are hurting, who are broken. And we go, well, let me find someone to help you. What do you mean find someone? You've got the Bible with you. You have a fire extinguisher that you can use to put out the fires in their life. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. Now pay attention. He is writing to the entire church, not an individual, not one person. So when we read it, we need to to understand that this is a, a community message. We are the community that has received it today. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Three times Paul tells the church, you have been called. And I think if we're honest, subconsciously the church has reinvented this medieval hierarchy of specialities and of blessings within the church. And I think we have people who go, well, I'm a lay leader, so I'm down here. I get so much blessing. I can only be so special. But then we have a pastor, and he's up here, and he's more specialer than me. That's real good English for you. And then, and this happens all the time, and then Marissa and I and our family, we get put up here, we're missionaries, ooh, We're even specialists. And in fact, so many people come and talk to Marissa and I and they go, oh, I couldn't do what you do. And I go, well, why not? What is it you think we do? Because I want to be honest with you. We are Christians who are simply following the path God has put before us one step after the other. That's it. That's all it takes to have a calling into missions is God says, go and you take that first step. I think for some Christians, this idea of a calling is an excuse for us to be lazy in our church life. And I got to tell you, I wrestled with God because I I said, God, I want these people to like me and I want some of them to partner with us. It's generally bad form to call them lazy before that, but... But I've seen it for, I was a children's pastor at Racine Assembly for seven years and I would go and I would talk to people and say, hey, have you thought about getting involved in kids ministry? And they go, oh, sorry, Pastor John, that's not my calling. I go, I mean, have you told the kids? Because they love you, like, you're awesome. So we need to understand that when Christ calls us into salvation and into relationship with him, it always comes with it a call into service. In fact, the question we as Christians need to ask ourselves is not, am I called, but how am I called? And when I talk about missions, I don't just mean what my family and I do. I don't just mean international missions. I mean what all of us have been called to do every day in our life. Our neighbors, our coworkers, our teachers, our family, our friends. But thankfully, God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. As with everything else God tells us to do, he provides a means for it. And this passage, Acts 1-8, will outline it for us. Our missions life requires four things. It requires power, 
It requires witness. It requires sacrifice. And it requires participation. So firstly, our mission's life requires power. This is the first thing Jesus tells the disciples. But you will receive power. You see, God understands that in order for us to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish, we must be connected to a source of power. And that power in our life, the Holy Spirit, transforms us and it gives us authority to speak into the life of others. Have you ever wondered what it was that turned Peter from a man who denied Jesus three times to a man who lifts up, you know, who says to a lame man, silver or gold I do not have, and then goes before the Sanhedrin, and when they challenge him, he says, I'm still going to tell about Jesus. What are you going to do about it? Have you ever wondered what the difference was between that man, the power of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life? It gave him authority to speak into the lives of others and to speak to those who would try to oppress him. And additionally, the power of the Holy Spirit drives us to action. We see in Acts that Philip is literally driven by the Holy Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch who gets saved and gets baptized. In other words, when we have the power of the Holy Spirit living in our life, we must have action that is a result of that. Imagine if you would, Superman, being everything Superman is, but yet he chooses to never use his abilities. I find there are far too many Christians who that is their normal life. They spend all day as Clark Kent, and they never bother to tap into the power that comes from the Holy Spirit that allows them, in a small way, to be Superman in someone else's life. Marissa and I understand all too well the challenge of obtaining power. We can put our next slide up. Marissa and I got to go to Burundi in October 2019. And while there, we stayed at a place called King's Conference Center. You see, less than 10% of all Burundians have power. And this place had it. It was a lovely place. It was used to hosting Westerners. But you see, every day they ran, or uh, every day their power went out. Okay, that's just the state of, the Burundi, of Burundi's power grid. And so they had a generator. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If you're going to lose power every day, you don't want to lose your food in the fridge. You have a generator. So they did. But their generator only powered certain things. And we found out just what it powered when we got up one morning and we tried to take a shower. It did not, turns out, power the hot water heater. I mean, that water was, like, it might as well have been ice cubes coming out of the shower. It was pumped in, fresh from the lake. It was frigid. Uh, I mean, I will tell you, we woke up, okay? We were awake. We weren't early enough for the sunrise, but we were awake. You see, we noticed in that moment the difference when we had power versus when we didn't. Because one of those was a nice shower and one was, ah, okay? If you can put our next slide up, we are blessed to be able to work with the leadership of the Assemblies of God. This, uh, this next slide is, is Pastor Jerome and his wife, Benina. Pastor Jerome is the superintendent of the Burundi Assemblies of God. And Pastor Jerome is a man who is not held back by what he does and does not have. Pastor Jerome understands that he needs to be connected to a source of power. In fact, when we went in October 2019, it was because of his letter that he wrote saying, we need help with children's ministry. Can you send some people? 
And in fact, Pastor Jerome put down a list of what he needed in order to help his church grow. Because they are passionate, they are on fire for God, but they don't have a lot of expertise. And every single thing that Pastor Jerome put on his list as a need, someone on our team is meeting. My wife and I get to go as children's missionaries. We get to help them develop a children's team. We have two nurses coming on our team. We have a a licensed therapist who gets to help them work through the PTSD that comes from having a nation full of coups and civil wars and, and bloodbath. We have a youth pastor. You see, Jerome has next to nothing. Not only is Burundi the third youngest nation in the world, it is the third poorest. They have nothing, but they have power. And they believe it. And let's get our next picture up real quick. You see, they believe it. They have a school where they send their pastors to. This is it. You'll see on the left that whole big line there. That is their their bunks. That's where the pastors come in. They spend three months at school learning how to be pastors. I spent more than that at North Central. I was there almost six years. So best I can tell, I was almost a doctor by the time I left North Central. Um, They come in for three months, which isn't enough time. I I think we would agree. It's not enough. And yet then they send them out and they say, plant churches. They have a vision for the future because they understand that they are connected to a source of power. Secondly, our mission's life requires witness. Now the word that Jesus uses here for witness is the Greek word martis, M-A-R-T-Y-S. I'm sorry Greek scholars if I mispronounced it, but that's how it looks like. It means to see, to be a part of, to have experience. That's the big one. You see, our calling to witness to others is based on our having experienced Jesus for ourselves. That's it. That is what qualifies us for witness. It's the difference between I think and I know. In Luke 5.32, Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. In other words, Jesus is saying is that to come to him, we have to be called. We are all called. So our salvation is through the calling of Jesus, which allows us to martis or experience Christ for ourselves. And in doing so, that experience of Jesus allows us to then witness To others. And our witness is powerful because it changes our perspective and it changes our lives. I've never met anyone who had a run in with Jesus who hasn't had their life changed as a result of their experience with Jesus. You see, Marissa and I are passionate about going to Burundi because we experienced it for ourselves. I was in with the kids before I came in here and I was telling them. I got called into missions at the age of eight years old. My parents were pastors, and uh, thankfully they encouraged that. You know, they, they prayed with me about it. They told me that was a good thing. But I wasn't just called anywhere. No, in fact, I was called to the country of Madagascar. Long before the movies came out and those penguins made that place famous, I wanted to go to Madagascar. My whole life was Madagascar, Madagascar, Madagascar. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a missionary to Madagascar. I was 23 years old and at a missions convention at our church there, at our church while we were up in Minneapolis, and I was talking to the missionary, 
And he said, John, you are really, really set on Madagascar. What are you going to do if your sending organization wants to send you somewhere else? I mean, I was 23. I had life figured out. I knew everything that was going to happen. And I looked at him and I said, I won't go. I'm called to Madagascar. Some of you are doing the math and are going, um, John, I don't know if anyone told you, you're not going to Madagascar. You see, we martyred Burundi for ourselves. We experienced it. Well, in Burundi in October 2019, we began to fall in love with the people and the nation and the leadership. And we said, man, this is a great place. And God began to speak to me. And he said, John, I've gotten you here, but it was never a straight line. I will get you to Madagascar, but it won't be a straight line either. Trust me. And so I, I, I talked to Marissa and, and we said, you know what? We really think that our calling right now is to somewhere other than Madagascar. God hasn't taken away that calling. He's, it's still there. We still desperately want to go, but we understand that now we're going somewhere else. And in fact, we left that trip looking at our team and going, guys, we want to come back, but here's the deal. There had been no Assemblies of God missionaries in 10 years. There's no prospect of anyone going. The Assemblies of God doesn't send missionaries by themselves. It turns out that's a bad way to keep missionaries on the field. They tend to go and then be like, see, yeah, this is really tough. And so they want to send people in teams. And Riss and I were like, it just isn't going to happen. But we came back in October, and by March, when we sat down with the leadership team for our interview and our whole process, they said, hey, we have a team going to Burundi. Not only that, but we sat down and they said, we have a team going to Madagascar. You could go there too. But you see, we had Martis Burundi. We'd experienced it, and it changed our perspective. And I think so often we need to remember that Christ in our life should be a martyr's experience. It should change our perspective. For all of us, that martyr's with Christ leads to a life of missions. Thirdly, our missions life requires sacrifice. Oh boy. We don't like this word. Right? We want to be comfortable in fact, I mean, we invented the air conditioner for the sole purpose of keeping us comfortable in the summer. It gets hot. We don't want to be hot. We want to be comfortable. But I think if we're not careful, we allow comfort to become more of our God than God is. And we don't allow God to break us out of the box that we have put ourselves in because out there are things that we're not comfortable with. And maybe that's why we love this idea of a calling. Because then someone else gets uncomfortable. I don't have to. But we need to understand that the word that Jesus uses for witness here is translated another way. Maybe some of you saw it. It is the basis for our word martyr. And in fact... This word used for witness here is later on used for Stephen in Acts. Martyr begins to take on the context of one who has experienced Christ and who has suffered for his name or who has sacrificed for his name. 
See, being called into our life of missions, which we've established, we've all been called, is not without pain and suffering. And the Bible spends a lot of time telling us to be ready for it. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. 1 Peter 4, 1, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. For all of us, our calling to missions is not to be taken lightly and it isn't without sacrifice. You see, for us, our It means that we follow God halfway across the world to a small country in Africa. But I don't stand up here and talk to people because I want anyone to ever feel bad for us. I want to establish something. We don't feel bad for us. We don't look at the things that we're getting rid of and go, oh, woe is me. We had to get rid of things. We look at things and we go, how do we get so much stuff? I mean, we, we move from the parsonage to an apartment because it turns out when you don't work at the church, they don't let you live in their house anymore. <laughs> so we had a three-day moving sale. Our driveway and our garage was full of stuff. For three days, we sold stuff. When stuff got sold, we put more stuff out there. At the end of three days, we had a nonprofit come by with a pickup truck, and they took two loads of stuff. We still have enough stuff for a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah, we've got to get rid of some of it in order to go to Africa. But, I mean, see, Riss and I talking, we go, you know what? We got rid of, like, a house's worth of stuff, and we have not noticed any of it. Like, there's not been one day where we're like, oh, I wish I had the, oh, I sold it. No, I mean, literally, we're just like, I, you know, we can't remember what we got rid of. All of us are called to sacrifice for the gospel. We get to do what we do because we stand on the shoulders of giants, those who have come before us. You want to talk about people who sacrifice for missions or who sacrifice for the gospel? Let's talk about Burundians, third poorest nation in the world. Burundi turns 59 years old today. They're not even 60. And in that time, they've had multiple genocides. If you remember the genocides in 1994 in Rwanda between two people groups, the Hutus and the Tutsis, the same problems happened in Burundi. The difference is Rwanda got a lot of of, um, national and, and global help afterwards. Burundi didn't. In fact, Burundi's genocides in 1994 turned into a 12-year civil war that ended in 2005. And then for the last 15 years, their president has been heavily sanctioned for human rights violations. Burundians suffer daily for the gospel. Other missionaries have suffered for the gospel. At the turn of the 19th century, as missionaries are beginning to spread to all parts of the world, a new breed of missionary becomes known, and they are called one-way missionaries. See, here's the deal. They would buy a a one-way ticket and a coffin. They would pack everything they owned in the coffin and take it with them, and they'd fly somewhere. And then they would get there, live there, until such a time as they died. Then they'd be buried in the coffin, and the coffin would be shipped back. See, one of these is a guy by the name of A.W. Milne, who set sail for the New Hebrides, in the South Pacific, aware that headhunters there had martyred everybody who had gone before him. But his coffin was packed 
he was ready. So he set sail. For 35 years, he lived among the tribe. When he died, they buried him in the middle of their village, and they put this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. We, I think, sometimes sacrifice very little for the gospel. We look for the opportunities to sacrifice more because of how much we love Jesus and the sacrifice he's given for us. I'm running out of time. Finally, our mission's life requires participation. So here's the question. Who is God calling you to? Where is he asking you to go? You see, Jesus spoke to the disciples and he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This order was not Just random. You see, Jerusalem is where they were, where they were standing at that moment. For us, Jerusalem is our inner circle, our closest people in our life. Our family, our friends, our co-workers, our teachers, our students. We have been called to them, remembering that Jerusalem had murdered Jesus at the hands of an angry mob. Next was Judea. Jerusalem was in Judea, and that was the surrounding area. That's the place where Jesus couldn't do ministry because they rejected him. For us, our Judea might be our city or our county. It's more than just our close circle. It is those who are impacted by our close circle. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Samaria is a place that is regarded by the Jews of the days as a wasteland of impure half-breeds. They hated each other. Jews wanted nothing to do with Samaritans. So who is our Samaria? Who are those on the outskirts of our society that maybe, if we're honest, we struggle a little bit with showing compassion towards? Maybe they're drug dealers, ladies of the street, other people who, who are just struggling with things. That's our Samaria. The ones that we may not want to be seen with but who Christ has died for and finally to the uttermost parts of the earth the Gentiles of that day were seen by Jews as nothing better than fuel for the fires of hell I mean you can read the Bible and see some of the arguments that some of the Jews had about going to the Gentiles but understand that this is the international missions This is sending the gospel out to where it's never been reached. So what's that mean for you? What is God calling you to? Who is God calling you to? I want you today, whenever the time comes when you leave, I want you to spend some time and say, Jesus, who's my Jerusalem? Who are the people I have the most impact on that I see all the time who I should reach? Who's my Judea? Who are the people that maybe I don't come across as often, but I need to make an impact? Who are the Samaritans? Who are the people, if I'm honest, I look over them, I don't see them? You see, we've all been called to somewhere in that mission's life, to a Jerusalem, a Judea, a Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to all of the above. We need to understand we can't do one and ignore all the others. I love international missions. I mean, I think it goes without saying. I'm leaving everything to take it. But guess what? If you give everything you make to international missions and you don't take care of your neighbor, you are doing the gospel wrong. 
Your neighbor is going to see that you care about kids all the way on the other side, but they are desperately hurting and you don't care about them. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I understand that that is none of our, of what we think. I know I'm not sitting next to people who don't care about their neighbors, but that is what they will think if they understand that all your money goes somewhere else and they're desperately hurting. I don't just come up here because I want people to give us money. I come up here because I want people to be passionate about missions, about taking the gospel and reaching others. And I want us to start tearing down whatever excuses we give to Christ for not being able to do it. Let me introduce you to a pastor named Freddie. I met Freddie while we were in Burundi. He was an awesome guy. Freddie lived in a community of two to three hundred kids. And I want you to understand, when I say community, I'm talking two to three blocks. He had two to three hundred kids and nowhere to put them. He just had a small church that held about 50 people. And all of these kids... It would have been easy for Freddie to say, God, I can't do it. Freddie took mud, water, and fire, and by hands, he built that up, and he made bricks inside of it. He's going to take those bricks, and he's going to build a building where he can house two to 300 kids so that he can tell them about Jesus. Freddie has nothing. He doesn't have the money. He doesn't have... Uh, you know, the, the training that we do. But Freddie said, I'm not going to allow the lack of building materials to stop me from ministering to those who need it. So he's building bricks by hand. What excuses do we give to Christ for not accomplishing what he wants us to accomplish? Because I'll tell you, in my life, I've given Christ excuses and they've never started with, you're asking me to make my own bricks. God has called all of us into a life of missions. I hope that you would understand that you get the privilege to be a part of that. It is a privilege for us to share the gospel with those around us. And if the Holy Spirit is leading you today to want to take another step, I'd like to just tell you a a couple of things. The first is we would love your prayers. We have prayer cards that look just like this out on the table out there in the lobby. Prayer matters. Prayer is a big deal. We want people praying for us. We have some friends from Ukraine, the Osbournes. Do you guys support the Osbournes? Yeah. The Osbournes are some good friends of ours, and they had a period of time a couple of years ago where they were experiencing intense spiritual warfare to the point that it was weighing heavily on them, right? They would get up, and you'd kind of feel that weight. Every day at about 1 or 2 o'clock, that weight lifted, and it was because their friends here got up, took their prayer cards, and prayed over them in the mornings. So was the afternoon in Ukraine. We want you to take these with you. It's vitally important. If God has been laying on your heart, Africa or children, we have some of these. These are our prayer journals for Africa's children. Uh, day one is Burundi. You can go through these. They've got lots of different countries that need help. And here's the thing, right? Day one is Burundi. If you're bad at starting these or at finishing these, you can start it and then, you know, get to the point where you need to restart again and just start back with Burundi. We love it. Um, but the reality is, is if you have a heart for Africa or for children, take one of these. This will direct you to prayers that you may have never even realized were a problem or that they needed. And we would love for you to have them. 
We are children's missionaries, so we have some kids' booklets that, well, your, your kids should have gotten them in there. But um, they, we have a coloring page. We have a word search. If you have kids at home or uh, kids that you're you know, in contact with, we'd love to give you some of those. And then we're looking today for about five people who have felt led by the Holy Spirit to partner with us financially. And if, you, if that's you, you can do it a couple of ways, but we have some forms out there that you can take with you, or we can even fill out and we can send it in, try to make it as easy as possible. But we believe that no matter what God is asking of you, he's asking of you something to do with missions. The question is, how are we going to respond? Because we've all been called to missions. Let's not miss that opportunity. Thank you very much.